0: You lollygag the ball around the end. Of it. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you? Larry? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers.
1: This is the Bullpen Brothers. And welcome to the Bullpen Brothers. Randy Heights, Dave, Myra Kierick, talking a little college baseball, talking Big 12 baseball. And how wacky has this conference got, Dave? I mean, look at the standings. It's crazy right now in the Big 12.
2: Randy, as improbable a weekend, specifically talking about Oklahoma, as you could ever imagine, if I was to come to you and say that, hey, they're 32-8 and heading down to Austin, it would still be shocking to sweep the horns. It's never happened before in program history, and it comes in a season where inconsistency has ruled the day for Oklahoma. You've got uh, other other places in the Big 12. West Virginia, you know, sweeps TCU. Texas Tech looks good and then drops their last game to Baylor. They're getting smoked by Abilene Christian last night and get saved by a rainout. But the whole point of this is, is it, nobody knows anything about this conference yet. It's every single weekend, anything could happen.
1: And I fully agree, and I don't want to take anything away from anyone, but I think it goes into what I believe you and I talked about last week. This conference is good. There's just not a great team. The depth Correct. in this conference is better than it's been. I don't feel like even Baylor, who, you know, has got a bad overall record, they're not just a horrible team. Just like you look, Oklahoma, they went and won that series against them. They won a game in Lubbock. They could have very easily won a series against Texas a few weeks ago. You know, it's, it's not like there's that really, really bad team. But also, on the other hand, it's not like there's this really dominant team in this conference right now.
2: No, I'll see if I can summarize it just like this. If any team in the league is not on their game on any weekend, they can get beat by any other team in the league, Baylor included. Yeah,
1: Fully agree, man. I mean, it's crazy, and you talk about last weekend. I think it goes to prove a point that I talked about on the franchise last week before the series started. Last week proved to me, and we have to see it again consistently, I feel like right now, And it doesn't mean like they're high-level arms or anything like this. So let's not get carried away and come after me, folks. Oklahoma, as far as starting rotation, they've got the best starting rotation in the Big 12 right now. And what I mean by that is the consistency factor. You know what you're going to get out of Braden Carmichael. You know what you're going to get out of James Hitt. You know what you're going to get out of Braxton Dalfett when he's healthy. You know those three things. What you don't know is what's going to happen out of the bullpen. That's the big difference. To that point,
2: I, to that point, though, I, I think one of the biggest things to emerge out of this weekend, in my opinion, is Carter Campbell mm-hmm. is possibly the the stopgap guy. He's the guy you know you hand the ball off to sixth inning or later and say, "Hey, go get him" until we can hand it off to our closer. Or if he gets into a rhythm, you, you leave him and close it out. But no, it, consistency wise, I have to agree, Randy. I, I don't see across the board another big 12. And you're talking all three starts: right. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't see anybody better from those three days. You have better Friday night guys across the league, but as as a collective group, no, I think you're, you're correct.
1: And and you know what? I'm all on board on the Carter Campbell thing and I'm not criticizing here, but it's kind of like what I, before I made that statement about the starting rotation, I need to see it. Like I needed to see it for about three weeks to go. Yeah, that's the way I feel. And that's kind of the way I feel about Carter Campbell. I think you're right. I think that is a possibility. But I need to now see that again this week out of Carter. You know, it's got to be, before I can go on a limb with anybody out of the bullpen, i got to see consistency, kind of like what we've talked about with a lot of guys over the last few weeks. This team has been inconsistent. If I start seeing the consistency, then I buy into that.
2: You're right. I mean, look at guys like Aaron Weber and Pierce. They have all had good... Sections of the season where they've come out and done really well, closed mm-hmm. games and, and held leads in the late inning. Then they come out the next week and don't. So, no, you're absolutely correct. He could be that stopgap guy, but he's going to have to come out and do it again because up until now, nobody has out the bullpen yet.
1: And, and let's go with Will Carstens, too. Let's not n- discount what he did on game th- two on Saturday. I mean, he came in and shut the door. I mean, So, if you can start getting consistency out of those guys, and I will say this with Will, I feel like I I feel pretty decent about Carter, you know, being able to do that. And I feel like Will can do that too, because when he was starting before he got hurt early in the year, Will looked pretty good at times. I'm not going to lie, there were times I thought Will should have been the Friday night guy early in the season. And that wasn't taking anything away from Kel Davis. It just seemed like he had that demeanor on the mound. Now, if that Will Karstens can do what he did last week on a consistent basis, I feel decent about this bullpen because I like Weber at the end. No matter, I don't care what his ERA is. I look at even what he did in game two last week. He came in, needed one out, and he got the out. I, they're starting to develop, guys. Now it's the consistency factor.
2: Now it's a consistency, and uh, you're right. Will Carson has Friday night stuff, and I think if you're an OU fan, that's what you have to like, is that you've got a guy out of the bullpen you can hand the ball off to with a lead. But consistency is what needs needs to happen, both with, with he and, and Carter Campbell. But Weber's your guy closing. Uh, I, I don't see a better option. Like I said, if, if Carter's in a game and he's you know only through two innings and is cruising, I, I don't see right. messing with that. Right. I, I don't know why you would, but. Uh yeah, if you've got two guys that you can consistently rely on to come in and do that with, with Campbell, uh, to hand the ball off to Weber, that, that puts him in a really good spot. Uh, I thought Cale Davis might slide into that role, you know, when he, when he jumped out of the Friday night starter spot. But hasn't really materialized. Maybe we start to see some more of him uh, starting midweek here.
1: You know, I, well, we don't have many midweek games left on the schedule. I, I, I think I think you start to see Cale out of the bullpen, but I think – I think for the main thing, they want to put him in a good spot. This is a kid that's going to have to rebuild his confidence, and I think a best-case scenario right now to just try to get his confidence up is if on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday this week, oh, you could get out to a huge lead, you know, and just go, hey, Kel, there's a nine-run lead on the board. Go out there and do your job, you know, just to kind of get the confidence because I'm one that I still say Kel's a vital piece to this staff. With the arm talent he's got – he can be that setup guy. He could be a closer in some games. He's just got to get his confidence back, and and you could tell almost in his last relief appearance against Oklahoma State, that poor kid has lost his confidence. And, and right now, I think for the coaches, it you don't want to destroy the kid. So it's how do you get his confidence back without destroying it, you know, destroying it anymore, and without costing yourself a game with a guy that's you know struggling confidence wise.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think he was put into a tough spot against OSU, especially on the road against this former team. There's no love lost there with a kid that's already struggling. That, that was a bad recipe. And I think now, yeah, they're trying to figure out the exact right time to get him in in a good spot. You know, you got to be careful with that. Like you said, you can't sacrifice a win with a guy that's not throwing strikes. But you also have to keep him engaged. And that's, that's going to be fascinating to see what, what they come up with. You know, if if they do get out to a big lead at some point this weekend, Probably will see him. I mean, it, that that makes perfect sense to get him out and then throw some innings uh, w- without the, the high-pressure stuff on him and uh, see if he can kind of come out of this funk. But the rotation as a whole is starting to, to get set and consistent. The, the guys behind him, there's a little spark of maybe some consistency out of the bullpen. The offense did just enough. I mean, they, they weren't just hammering, you know, all nine innings. They, they capitalized on some mistakes Texas gave them. Uh, Caden Powell rips a two out RBI, uh, double, uh, go off Lucas Gordon on Friday mm-hmm. night. That was gigantic. I, I thought that turned the, the, the tide of the entire series end up, uh, winning that one. And then two on Saturday to sweep Texas. And I'll tell you, it, it really completely threw everything on its head from this time last week to now See, and where we are talking about OU baseball.
1: And you know, what's really funny offensively. I feel like they did the exact same thing they've done all year long at the offensively this past weekend. I thought it was a photocopy. The one difference, the one difference, they got some hits with guys on base. You know, because go back and look and see how many guys they've left on base all year long. That's been their problem. They're in the top ten in the nation in receiving walks. You know, they they've got over 240, I think it is. The problem with some of the games early in the year, they were still getting walked like they did against Texas. They just couldn't find a way to get, oh, great, they've got two guys on, nobody out. They could never get that hit to get anybody home. And to be honest, right. that was the biggest difference on Friday and Saturday for against Texas. They got those guys on via walk, and then somebody, I don't care if it took one out, two outs to get it, somebody finally got the clutch hit to drive home some runs and break that seal. And I really think Dakota Harris being back, and we had talked about this several times, is the biggest difference. It just takes a lot of pressure off your Spikermans. It takes a lot of pressure off Jackson Nicholas. You know, some of these returning guys, it lets them breathe. It's not all on their shoulders as sophomores. They got a guy out there in Dakota Harris that's been doing well all year long, and he can go pick up some of that slack.
2: Yeah, he can, and it also does. What we've we've also touched on is if you've got a guy struggling, you know, anywhere with McKenzie being a utility guy that can play Mm -hmm. any position in the infield, you know, you you can give a Wallace Clark a couple days off. Hey, man, get away from the game or just hang out at the hotel, come to the dugout, you know, just, just relax and take a breath. You know, these guys have been under enormous pressure to produce, Uh, With Harris back, yeah, McKenzie can slide over to third. They don't miss a beat defensively and actually are a touch better offensively. Uh, But no, you're right. I mean, if you're top 10 in walks, you're getting guys on base. If you're losing games, that means you're not getting a man. And they finally got some two-out consistent hitting just enough to go with good pitching and decent defense this weekend to win. But No, Dakota Harris, I mean, you can circle to it. Even the games they've lost since he's been back, it's had a different feel offensively with him in the lineup.
1: No doubt about it. I mean, and you just see other guys starting to pick it up more. Bryce Mattern, who we're going to talk to here in just a minute. I mean, look what he's done over the last two weeks. I mean, he's at, what, eight home runs now overall? He was at four two weeks ago.
2: Yeah, he's he's turned turned the uh, turned the switch on, and then they've needed it. But if, if they can get that consistently with you know a little bit of power to go with what they do on the bases with with the whole chaos thing, that to me when when Brett Squires came in the lineup last year full time and mm-hmm. added some pop to to what they do, that kind of turned everything to that offense. If Dakota Harris coming back this year can have the same kind of impact on offense, it it could be fun to watch. But we, hey we've been here before. We've seen OU win some good games, play some good baseball, and the next week we're saying, you know, what happened. So it's it's all about consistency and making the same last.
1: Fully agree. The one thing I will say the biggest difference for me, it was complete baseball. And to be honest with you, for a three-game stretch, maybe we've seen it one game here and there, but for a three-game stretch, you finally saw a complete team. Now, granted, like you say, you got to see it more than just last weekend – but there's reasons why they, I think have more confidence than you've had in the past in this, because you saw it for three games in a row. They put it together. I mean, think about this against top 25 teams. Four of the last five games against top 25 teams, they're four and one. Wow. I mean, that's that's wow. that's, that's some positivity. You know, I mean, it's some
2: positivity and it it probably speaks to why their RPI is still in really good shape and the team overall is in good shape and they have been for the last month. It's just a matter of, you know, like we keep talking about it, having the rotation set is we've, everybody who knows baseball knows that's gigantic. You get that set and everything else seems to fall into place. You start getting guys back that have been injured. Uh, to produce in the lineup and then it just seems like it's, it's the right time for everything you know with OU what they want to accomplish going down the stretch it's good timing for all that but we just have to see it
1: no doubt we'll get into more Big 12 stuff the other teams in the conference but joining us now current Oklahoma Sooner and right fielder Bryce Madron hey Bryce thanks for coming on today and are you excited for this weekend after the way things are going
0: oh yeah we're we're definitely excited. It's- should be a fun series should be a good series at home and we're just trying to continue what we did this past weekend.
2: Oklahoma sophomore outfielder Bryce and Bryce the first thing I gotta ask man it, it looks like you played for the Savannah Bananas now. Oh yeah. I've only checked them out on TikTok and stuff What, what was that like actually being a part of that? Man it was a blast it it made baseball fun again you didn't have the
0: pressure of just trying to go out there and win every game you were just going out there have fun play for the fans play for the kids and just enjoy playing
1: hey bryce you're a local kid from blanchard oklahoma so just down the road for norman you know how big a thrill was it for you not only get to go on and play at the division one level but get to play for a school that i'm sure growing up you got to see play baseball many a times How, how exciting was it for you the day you signed at oklahoma
0: Man, it was awesome just being able to be 20 minutes from home just allowing everybody to come watch and not have to drive two hours It growing up just a big OU fan dad was a diehard OU fan so it was it was really exciting to be able to come here
2: Bryce uh, did I read it right or are you part of triplets is that right uh I have triplet siblings yeah okay. I'm the I'm the oldest Okay. Okay. Let Let me ask. Are they able to make every game and watch it now?
0: Um, if they want to, yeah, they can. Uh, one of my little brothers he he's playing in high school right now, so he had he has some games on days that I play. But it's it's pretty easy now that we're twenty minutes away. That our parents can just split up, kind of, and one can come watch. One can go watch him. Hey
1: Bryce, you started all year long. I believe you've even started every game for Oklahoma so far this year in right field. And
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: you start. You are at the plate. You drew a lot of walks early on. What has changed though for you over like the last month and a half? Your batting average has raised a hundred points, and your power stroke that we all knew you had it it has started to develop here at this level. What what's been the biggest transition for you here in the last month?
0: Uh, just trying to gain the confidence back and trying to just drive pitches that I know I can handle. I know early on I was taking a lot of pitches that I know I could hit. And like from I think the Baylor series and on, I've just like tried to get my swing off on the pitches that I know I can
2: drive. Now being an Oklahoma kid and having a dad that's a Diarto U fan, you know how big the rivalry is with Texas. Um, I do. To, to be to be a part of the team that is the first in OU history to go down and sweep the horns in Austin. Right. Uh, what what was it like hitting that uh, three run jack in the last game? What was that trotter on the bases like? It it was cool. It just just put a stamp on what we know we can
0: be and how we know we could play. And it was just awesome. The atmosphere down there was it was great playing in front of that many people that just kind of hated you and. Just being able to do that was awesome.
1: Hey, Bryce, you looked at this team. You guys three games over five hundred right now and had a huge, like we said, sweep over Texas this weekend. How do you capitalize on that momentum down the stretch run? Because you guys now are one of those teams that everyone's talking about, again, being a potential regional-type team.
0: Right. I mean, we just got to continue to play like we did down in Texas. I mean, everybody had the confidence. The pitching staff threw well our hitters put up runs. I mean, just doing what we know how to do and just continuing to do that would it it just make us that much better down the road.
2: Well, I mean, to Randy's point, we've seen you guys play really good baseball. Uh, you split the series with number seven Stanford. Uh, you mm-hmm. win the TCU series and then kind of the inconsistency show back up. But what do you think the key to, to sustaining that and playing at an elite level every week? Just having the confidence. I know
0: Sometimes we get down and we just got to maintain that just level right there. You can't go too high. You can't go too low. We just got to keep playing the game.
1: Hey, Bryce, when you look at your transition into Division One level, has there been anything that's surprised you about the difference from whether it's high school to junior college to D1? What's kind of been a surprise or something that's caught you off guard maybe in this year?
2: Um
0: really just how much more work is put into like the scouting reports and all that stuff. Um, Our coaches do a great job of getting us ready to play. And it's just the transition from going to a lot of scouting reports and stuff like that from like a JUCO and where we didn't have a lot of that, we just kind of just went out there and played. But now our coaches get us really prepared and we just, Take what they say
2: and just try to win, Bryce. We're over the halfway point of the season here, coming down the stretch. what What's the What's the dugout like? Well, what's the mood with the team like? It had to be improved a little bit after that weekend in Austin.
0: Yeah, the dugout is it's unbelievable now. It's it's really fun to be in there. A lot more energy than we've had in the past, and we just got to keep that up. It's it's been great.
1: Hey, Bryce, thanks for joining us, man. I wish you the best of luck. I mean, I know I've watched a bunch of kids come through Blanchard High School As I have some friends down in that area. So good to see you succeed, and good to see you succeed here at the University of Oklahoma.
0: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, Bryce. Bryce.
1: That's Bryce Madron, Oklahoma right fielder, again joining us here on the Bullpen Brothers. Hey, Bryce, thanks a lot, man, and good luck this weekend.
0: Of course. Thank you, guys. All right, see All you right guys. go get them.
1: And that was Bryce Madron again, great outfielder for the University of Oklahoma. And really, one of the keys to this turnaround, Dave. I don't think we can say enough about what his bat with the return of Dakota Harris has meant to this team down the stretch right now.
2: No question. When you start the year, that was the name everybody circled, right? Bryce Madron, mm-hmm. JUCO player of the year, a 2020 guy, 20 solo bases, 20 home runs out of JUCO, commence to Oklahoma. Everybody's excited. He it's, you know, I think, two grand slams and then their inter squad scrimmage. Mm-hmm. to get people talking more. And it's, it's been an interesting transition for Bryce. He uh, you know, he brought it up. It's, it's a different animal uh, up there in D1, the, the amount of work that goes into it to prepping for your opponents and what you have to put into it. But it seems like uh, just over the midway point of the season, it's starting to click for Bryce. And that's really good news for Oklahoma heading down the stretch.
1: No doubt. That switch is definitely going on. Let's talk about the rest of the Big 12, because we're going to have Russ Ortiz, former Oklahoma Sooner, 94 National Championship Winner, on with us here in a little bit. But, man, here on the Bullpen Brothers, we talk about it all, but let's talk about the rest of the conference. We talked about how wacky and weird it was. Oklahoma State, I thought they were playing a bad – an okay team in Kansas, right? Team that's been battling all year long. But I thought that was a trap series for them going to Lawrence because Lawrence has caused some problems for some people. And Oklahoma State, even though they won that midweek game against Oklahoma – it wasn't like their pitching was great in that game and they had struggled the week before with their arms. That was an interesting series, and they were able to go out and pull off the sweep. I thought their Friday night game was key for them.
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, you get Ben Abram now moves to 5-2 and two on the year for Oklahoma State. Uh, he's been a gigantic addition why it didn't work in Norman and doesn't still water go figure, but, but it's working. And I I agree with you. I thought the the Kansas series was very interesting. OSU had been kind of scuffling heading in and Kansas had, like you said, given some people some, some issues and OSU was able to go in there and get the sweep of the Jayhawks. But you know, it, it, it kind of plays into every other team in the league. They're one week Jekyll and the next week Hyde. You're not quite sure what you're going to get, but I think OSU consistently, is playing as good as anyone in the league. They have a few off weeks here and there, but record-wise and series-wise, they're doing all right. Uh, West Virginia is another team to keep an eye on. In fact, they might be the best team in the Big 12. They're the
1: best team right now. And and what's sad, Dave, what's funny – I've said that so far about, I think, three to four different teams in this league so far. That's how weird it's been. But right now, West Virginia easily is the best team in the league. You look at how they're playing, what they've done. They're the best team. But Oklahoma State, we said earlier, Oklahoma has the best rotation, starting rotation right now as far as consistency. You brought it up. Oklahoma State, I think they would have potential to do that. Because I really like what Benj does when he starts on the weekend, the young freshman. I think he's been incredible with the bat and pitching from the mound for this team. But you look at the other two guys. Brown Watts, All-American, right? You know, has that capability. Has the capability to be a high draft pick, and I think he still may. Because not always are guys drafted based on what they do on the field. It's their upside. I think he could still be that. Ben Abram, we say he's done good, and he has. But talk about a Jekyll and Hyde guy. His ERA is over five. I mean... You know, it's like they haven't known what to count on out of those guys because Brown Watts, he wins that Friday night game or, you know, he pitches that game. That was the score fest. 15-11, I believe, was the final score in that game, you know. And so you look at this team and you just don't know what you're getting out of the Cowboys out of the pen or offensively, to be honest with you, each and every week.
2: No, you don't. And the games that they've won that have not included Watts-Brown on the mound, uh, that offense has been, been able to do with what they hope to do, and that's bash the ball out of the ballpark and put up a bunch of runs. When they don't do that is when they've gotten in trouble. But I think why we both sat here and said we see maybe a college World Series team if they get it together is just due to that, because they do have the capability on offense to put up a ton of runs, as Oklahoma found out last week. If they get consistent pitching and then get their rotation set, I think they're in great shape. But them, like everyone else, is still searching for that.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you look at the Cowboys, and I think they've got a ton of talent and they can still do it. Now, I do think Nolan McClain getting back will be key. I know last week they said he is available for pinch inning. I didn't see him at all this past weekend, which I don't blame them. They were in a spot. You didn't need him. Give him a few more days off. Just let him rest mm-hmm. because, and to be honest, they're going to Michigan this weekend. A, I don't know if that series is going to be played. There's heavy chances of rain all three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Ann Arbor, so I don't know if they'll play that series. B, it's a non-conference series. Let him get healthy. Just let him rest. You know, it's takes it, him to get healthy. healthy.
2: Yeah, no, no, reason, no reason to rush. It's probably going to be nice and chilly up in Ann Arbor, if I were to guess, which doesn't <laughs> help with injuries, so yeah, non-conference, you, you don't throw your best tosses at it. You go up and, you know, do what you can do and hope for the best. But, no, it's it's definitely not a series to to test McClain and see if he's good. That's what you want to bring back when you're positive he's 100% for the stretch run.
1: No doubt about it. And then you look at the other one, you know, West Virginia, you made mention of them. I think they are the best team. They're the most complete team so far in the Big 12 because I can look at other schools. Texas Tech, yeah, they, they can hit the ball. That rotation, suspect at best. I mean, they once you get to Beckel in the bullpen, close the door. It's over for the most part. You know, other than that run he got against Oklahoma, you don't see him give up anything. You know, and so I look at it that way. You you just go on and you move forward. But I think West Virginia, what they've got, they got Weatherholt back last week off injury, and you saw what they can do when that whole team is there, the whole unit. Is there, And that's the reason I give them the nod. They went ahead and won another game and won the series against Oklahoma State without having their best player in the lineup for two of those three games. So, you know, that's where I look at West Virginia. They are a scary team. And I know 1012 Podcast Network, they tweeted out last week and I agreed with them. They're probably right now the only regional host coming out of this conference.
2: No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you look at consistently what they've done through the Big 12 season. They go into Stillwater and, and win that regional, which is not easy to do against the Cowboys. And then, yeah, sweep TCU and Morgantown. And it, it's a team that has kind of come you know, off the radar, off the map. Uh, I don't remember anybody really penciling them in as, as the Big 12 best before the season started. But they have played their way into it and it's a, you, you can't ignore what they've done and what they're doing. And yeah, up until this week right now, they are the best team in the league. No doubt about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it's pretty interesting what will go on and you know what, let go, let me go ahead and give you a couple of updates, programming updates uh, for fans of teams. Um, Oklahoma baseball, they're going to play tomorrow, but now it's a one o'clock start time tomorrow. One o'clock. Uh, it's crazy, yeah. Weather this week has been insane, you know. It's one
2: o'clock start for Oklahoma tomorrow. Yeah, we are actually down in one of Oklahoma's beautiful state parks, McGee Creek, and we could not have picked a worse week. It has rained two out of the four days we've been here, so <laughs> a lot of Yahtzee, a lot of poker, and a lot of talking college baseball.
1: That's man, it it is a mess right now. The weather has just been. Crazy, But let's, you know, just real fast. Oklahoma, we mentioned earlier, because we're going to have Russ Ortiz on here in a little while. And Oklahoma gets a series sweep, a three-game sweep. They've went down a 1-2 in a row before when they played two-game series in the midweek. That's happened not a lot, but it has happened. They've never swept on three times. This is probably, as far as games I can remember in Austin, one most memorable would have been 2013 when OU won the series down in Arlington the year they won the Big 12 title. That one sticks out just because I was actually in Austin when they did that. The other one, one of the more memorable wins in Texas against Texas, was definitely the run, the 1994 team. They went to the regional down Three-four. in Austin. They won that. There were no Super Regionals, so that was for a bid to go to the World Series. And they beat Texas on their home field. So after last week, that 94 team and what Russ Ortiz is going to join us in a little while. What they did in Austin was just incredible, and it kind of goes to show what the team this year was able to accomplish for those to be kind of memories that stick out in our minds.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And what's weird to me, I mean, like I said earlier, if I told you that Oklahoma was 35-8 and and went down and did that, it would still be hard to believe. Mm -hmm. And to go down and do it on a year to where you never know from one week to the next what OU baseball is going to look like. And they've taken some pretty bad beatings. They have lost they lost a ton off last year's team. That's been well dissected. But the whole point is nobody saw that coming. I mean, out of any year, any season, for this team to be the one to do it, it's insane. But I, I think that just goes to show us what the Big 12 is and isn't this year. They're just a bunch of good teams and anybody can get you on any day.
1: Yeah, it it is so true to see that and see what's going on. You know, anything can happen. And in fact, let's go ahead and bring on Russ Ortiz here to talk a little bit about his days in the majors and, you know, what it was like being at Oklahoma then and now. And joining us now on Bullpen Brothers, former Oklahoma Center national champion and major leaguer Russell Ortiz. Hey, Russ, thanks for taking some time out this morning or this afternoon to join us here on the podcast.
3: Hey, my pleasure. Thanks
1: for having me. Hey, Russ. You, hey, Russ. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. Dave. Go ahead. You go, Dave. You go. Go ahead, man.
2: Okay. Uh, the, a lot of people that that follow you guys, you know, the the classic names of OU baseball and kind of keep up with y'all are curious what 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 you guys are up to nowadays. So, if you would just just kind of fill us in on on what your daily life is all about now. Uh. Well.
3: So I've been, you know, this is my thirteenth year being retired, and so um, it's just been really about family about spending time with my family um you know i i had a golf apparel brand for about seven and a half years uh where we gave all of our proceeds to charity and so that was really cool and in the midst of that you know help out at the school been the athletic director for the school i was helping coach you know my kids and t-ball softball you know coach pitch and all that stuff and then uh was a little league president one year, uh so stuff like that and then everything else has been about just being here for the family. I mean it's a huge blessing to be able to uh have de- you know, have played as long as I have had and, and uh or as long as I did and and have the time uh and the availability to just be with my family and be be here and be involved in all the things hey. you know we, we have going
1: on. Hey, Russ, you had one of those really interesting careers because you and I both know not everyone gets to make it to the majors, but you had a career at Oklahoma that was a very nice career. You get drafted, and and I think you showed the perseverance as you just keep battling and, you know, fighting. You can You can do whatever you want. And what was that goal or not that accomplishment like for you to finally make to the major leagues after battling through the minors all those years?
3: Uh well it was you know it was a I mean the only thing I've ever dreamt about. I mean, you know, once I started playing T ball and uh you know, shortly after that I wanted you know, I dreamt about playing in in, in Dodger Stadium I and mean, I mean that's where we live near, so that was a stadium that was always in my head and and so you know, going through high school, I got an award for for high school and got to actually be on the field at Dodger Stadium, and and that's when everything really started to be like, man, this is unbelievable. You know, to be to be able to play on a on a field with this type of grass. I mean, the grass was immaculate, or is still. And so once I got to OU, you know, I, it's like this is a big big time school, and you know they had just come off of a College World Series appearance and. So I was like, this, you know, this is big time. I have an opportunity to potentially do well enough to get drafted. And, and that was the goal, you know? And, and so I did well enough to get drafted my, after my junior year. And, and once I, I left, you know, for the next two and a half years, everything just went really well. And, and so uh, yeah, I got drafted in 95 and then I made the open day roster in 98 and, really never looked back. Uh I went up and down in 98 for you know a couple times uh about three or four times in the first half of 98 just cuz I wasn't pitching in the big league so they sent me down a pitch but ever since the second half of 98 pretty much was was uh on a major league roster, you know, until 2010. So um except for the year that I missed cuz my elbow. And so yeah, so every so it's from day one to the last day. I mean, it was always a dream come true. It was always something that I worked for, worked really hard for. Had a lot of people help me along the way, a lot of coaches, a lot of players, and all that stuff. And so, uh, I tell people all the time, I enjoyed every single second of it, and I never had a, I never felt like I had a bad day, even if I didn't pitch well, whatever. I never felt like I had a bad day, and that you know I was just living a, the, a dream in. And and at the end of the day, you know, to be able, the perspective I had is, you know, when you're five, six years old and you dream about doing something, like how many people actually get to do that, you know, and uh, when you dream about it for that long and then actually get to do it and do it for 12 seasons. Um, so keeping that perspective, you know, always helped me to, you know, feel really blessed and, and honored to put on a uniform and never took it for granted.
2: Talking with former Oklahoma Sooner and Major League All-Star Russ Ortiz. Yeah, I had you on my Fantasy League back in the day, man. Uh, you had a very sustainable Major League career. I mean, uh, guys play forever. Just a chance to get a whiff of one game, and then you were able to do it over a decade. That That's awesome. I, uh, and when you went into the Giants organization, you were primarily still a reliever. Is that right? Well, what was that like changing mm-hmm. to a starter?
3: Uh, I was not happy about it, I can tell you that,
2: because
3: <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I got drafted as a closer, because that's how I ended my um, career at OU, you know, as a closer, and that's how I got drafted, and so, and that's how I did really, really well, um, you know, the first couple seasons in minors, and so when they said they'd like to switch me, I I wasn't happy, because I, I thought I was on a really nice path to, to the big league as a closer. And I loved that position, and so, but um, I quickly learned, that, you know, they made the switch because they, they knew I had, you know, at least three pitches that that I, you know, quality pitches, and I had the makeup to be a starter. I had, you know, the stamina, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, but at first, my first reaction was I wasn't happy. I was thinking, you know, man, this is gonna stunt my my growth and it's going to going to, you know, halt my path to the big leagues. And, um, you know, but I mean, my, you know, I'm a Christian and my faith plays a big, you know, has always played a big part, you know, um, since college. And, and so, and they're reverting to that is like, I just have to just trust that, you know, these guys know what they're doing. They're not just, you know, uh, because, and because I was, considered in the organization a a big prospect you know they weren't just gonna just throw this out like hey we think uh you should be a starter let's try that you know and it was like no they really had a lot of belief in me and so so I just had to trust that and um yeah I did that and I uh, started in double a and the second half of the season went to triple a um and which was a which was a surprise for me to get called up to triple a and then the next year, I'm in the big leagues. And so I was like, you know, I look back and think about that. And I'm like, man, they – I appreciated, you know, that they saw something in me that maybe I didn't notice or I didn't see. Um, and so, you know, it so it worked out really well. Um, but uh, it was a hard transition, I would say, at first, because I was so used to coming in the game and just being full on from – from the first pitch to last pitch, and I, you know, I do only throw. Maybe if I had a stuff inning, thirty, thirty-five pitches. So um, now I'm, I'm being geared to start a game and finish a game, and so it's a different mindset. And, um, but I grew to love it, and that's what I did the, you know, heavy majority of my career. And, um, so it's funny because after I you know, I got hurt a couple of times. And so with, within, you know, because of that and, and then, you know, I was having to make teams the last, you know, three, four years of my career, you know, I was putting the bullpen a lot. Um, I actually did terrible out of the bullpen. You know, when I first started pro ball, I did great out of the bullpen and did well, you know, my first uh, half a season with the giants as, as a reliever, um, but then, towards the tail of my career, when I had to relieve, I was terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I hated the way that it 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 you know it ended up. You know how my career finished. Um, be, you know, just because I just did a terrible job relieving, and you know, part of it is because my mentality was was as a starter. I mean, you know, ninety percent of my career is a starter, and the mentality is just completely different. So, so I did a I did a bad job of of adjusting, you know. I mean, I tried to do everything I could. I just wasn't able to make that adjustment well and, you know, some guys are and it's really impressive and I I just wasn't able to do it. So, I just I hated that, but at the same time I was like, look, I got to be ready. I got to get over this and be ready and I was ready every time and I go in with with every uh ounce of confidence and then um You know, but I did. I think I struck out my first hitter, and I believe I struck out my last hitter in my career. And so I was like, well, you know, at least I, I can say I can, you know, have those bookend strikeouts and and uh, start on a positive note and then left on a positive note and all and experience everything in between, everything you can imagine—the good, the bad, the ugly.
1: Hey, Russ, I, I know you've been around the program and everything since you left left Oklahoma, and, and you've stayed in touch, especially recently. What are your thoughts on comparing almost to where it was when you were at Oklahoma going to the World Series and winning a national title to to kind of where it is now and what they've been able to build up over the last couple of years? Well,
3: ever especially ever since uh... – you know Skip became the head coach um you know his reputation as a coach especially handling pitchers i mean so i was excited about that because you know pitch uh good pitching you know wins championships and and i think last year was a, a testament to that to where they um they had good pitching and that really helped them you know continue to move forward and and have an opportunity to win the national championship. And so, um, and then the people that he surrounded himself with, um, you know, in the program, uh, surrounded himself with, and that, you know, so I've always paid attention, you know, but but since, you know, Skip got there, um, I, I would say just because of timing, just because of what I was doing at the time and just timing that I was really, I've been really able to pay attention and, and I love what, you know, Skip brings to the table, and um, you know that he's what he's trying to get these guys to do, and you know, make keep, make sure that they're responsible for what they're supposed to do, accountable to each other, and and that they're not going to fear anything. And and so I've always liked that. And then now having you know someone like like Reggie, you know, Willis in in the picture, like it. It brings a, a different dynamic to the teams, where you know they put pressure on other teams, uh, and you know so if they execute offense and defense, it puts a lot of pressure on the other teams. and And I think having those two guys, uh, along with the other coaches, you know, to to also um, you know handle the guys that they I think what they've done is created an atmosphere of of guys that aren't going to back down ever and that they're always going to come at you. Um, And that's, that's what I love seeing, you know, talking to uh, Ryan Gaines. I've known Ryan, you know, a long time. And, you know, he was the uh, student trainer, you know, when I was there uh, my first year. And so, you know, I've known him for a long, long time. And, you know, he's the director of baseball operations and, um, he has the same mentality, you know, and he doesn't even put on a uniform and he has the same mentality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Greg Kipton and all those, all those guys, I mean, they have that same mentality of like, you know, they, they could beat anybody. And so I, I love that. And so getting to know the guys, getting to meet the guys, I mean, they have, they're all, all just like any team. Everybody has their own personalities, but when they come together and when they have goals to, to execute, together um you know they feel like they're unstoppable and i and i love that and i got and everybody got to see that last year you know is when you know they got to see uh, just that mentality play out uh, because they were executing they were doing the things that they've worked all year for um and, and they executed and you know and i would say what they didn't execute for one or two games, maybe one game. You know, yeah. the the one game against uh, Ole Miss. That uh, I mean, because they they probably at the time were the best team. You know, and uh, but you have to give a lot of credit to Ole Miss they didn't they didn't give up either.
1: It, so it, um, it was crazy, man. It it was a great run, Russ. It it was hard yeah. to believe how 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 that went down last year.
3: Yeah, and and you know, and they this this year's team has lost a lot of pitching. Um, and so other guys have had to, to step up and, you know, they're not the same team. And so, you know, it's hard to expect, uh, the same results, but, um, but you see it, you know, I mean, when I was, when I was there, what was it? A couple of weekends ago, you know, there, there was, uh, you know, one of the games, especially you could see that. What I, you know, what I say, I would say I saw last year, you could see when they execute, mm-hmm. there's a, di- there's a different, they walk different, they look different, they carry themselves different and the aura around them is different. And, it, and, you know, and the stadium feels that. And, and I think the other team feels that. And so, so the trick is, is just to, you know, find a way to get these guys, you know, they're struggling in the first couple innings to not, you know, let their emotions go, you know, kind of downward, and then figure out how can we pick them back up? You know, the, the trick is to, to uh, talk to these guys, help them prepare that, you know, it's like they're prepared for failure or they're prepared for struggle. And so, so it's not, meaning that they're not surprised by it. And, those guys have to believe it. And so, um, and you know, just talking to Skip and Reggie and stuff like that, it's, you know, that they're always trying to find ways to to keep these guys perspective, right. And to be able to trust one another, to be able to, you know, do all the prep work for the game and then go out and execute. And, um, but the biggest thing I would say is this for young guys, for, for them to, to help them understand, like, Don't be surprised by a a struggle. Don't be surprised if if you're, you know, having a hard time um, because that's going to come. So if it doesn't surprise you, your your emotions aren't going to change and it's not going to affect the way you play, the way you think, your confidence level. And so, um, and and that's what I, you know, that's what I've seen them try to really work on is is to get those guys, because when you have guys that are confident in themselves and, you know, even when they're doing bad, that they're, they have at least the, the look of, you know, nothing's getting to me. That makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and that's what you have to have if you want, especially if you want to move on because you're going to, you know, you're going to move on to uh, play against people that are way better than you and people that are uh, well ahead of you mentally. And so if, you know, if you're not training to do, to be more mentally tough, then you're, you know, you're going to crack under pressure and it's going to, um,
2: potentially keep your career very short. Definitely a challenge to keep these guys heads in the game. I mean, that's part of, part of coaching. And then I think where, where people run up against, you know, they kind of button their heads up against the wall. These are still 18 to 20, 21 year old kids that they can get down like anybody else. But, Russ, this has been a great interview. I, I know that you and I have kind of worked through some scheduling stuff to finally get you on. I just want to say thanks for taking some time, and it's it's been an absolute pleasure to have you, man.
3: Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. It's, and and I, you know, appreciate all all of you that you know getting you know starting to to learn who who's in support, especially of OU baseball, and and you know trying to um, highlight them and, and stuff. And so it's fun to it's fun to to see and you know it's fun to see the support and um you know it makes it makes me proud to be a a sooner
1: hey russ thank you so much for your time and hopefully we'll see you around the ballpark soon
3: all right guys take care thanks
1: thanks russ man dave what an interview there by russ ortiz a great guy love the fact he's been back around the program whether he lives here or not been involved with his program
2: yeah, it certainly sounds like he has kept his finger on the pulse of OU Baseball, brought up Ryan Gaines, to which, you know, both you and I work with Ryan weekly, uh, he helps us out with our show a great deal, and yeah, I love hearing, uh, you know, those those legendary names of OU Baseball past, still involved with the program, that, that to me, just, it makes the program stronger, it, it gives it better roots, and uh, when you have alumni like that spread out across the country to keep in touch, and, and come back for things, and and keep up with with what OU baseball is doing. It, it puts them in, into a good spot, you know, with with administration and how they can reach out to fans and the, the support. All becomes one, and that's something I think that that OU is looking for and needs as this move the SEC comes comes calling. But uh great great talking to Russ, and he uh, he had a lot of great stories and a twelve year career in the majors. That, you know, would give anybody. Uh, a lot of stories, but no, great catching up with him. We we worked through some scheduling stuff to to get that done, and loved having him on. It's uh, it really shed some light on on his career and what he thought of it, and the ups and downs, and what he had to fight through, and and what he's doing now. A no, great guy, and I appreciate him taking the time to talk to us.
1: No doubt, and I remember watching him when I was in school. I know with all these guys from '94, we've had on. That was when I was in college. So, you know, it brings back a lot of memories. Love seeing that. Uh, But let's move ahead to this week, Dave. Big 12 baseball. We've talked about it. Oklahoma's got Kansas on the slate for them this week. And I'm going to say it's a huge series, not because Kansas is great, but we've talked about consistency. Oklahoma's got a chance right now, and I don't mean they have to sweep. Series wins the rest of the way. Their RPI – Is depends on what service you want to look at. It's anywhere from 49 to 52. They raised themselves anywhere from 21 to 23 spots in the RPI. They are in prime bubble territory, which is not where they were two weeks ago.
2: No, it's not. They're in spots where if they can get some series wins and make a little bit of noise in the conference tournament, uh, they'll find themselves in a regional, which I think, Going back to what they lost off last year, coming into this year, knowing that, that had to be the goal, just make the NCAA tournament. A few weeks ago, that looked very bleak. Now they put themselves right back into a spot to control what happens to them, and this is a series in Kansas. Yeah, they, they've been gamey, the Jayhawks have, as has every team in the Big 12, but this is a series oh, OU needs to win. It seems like we've said that every week. But when you've got a team like Kansas and you still have your you know, West Virginia on deck, uh you you need to win this one man its it's one that I think they have a lot of momentum built up, talking to Bryce Madron. it sounds like the dugout has a bunch of juice, and they're confident and they kind of got their swagger back so that they need to put that together and go win the series. I'm with you. don't need to sweep it, but do need to win it
1: yeah, that's the key i I think at this point i I've discovered looking at stuff uh I think if they just win series the rest of the way out. Going into the Big 12 tournament, as long as they don't just fall on their face and go two and out in the tournament, if they can have winning weeks the rest of the way out, they're in the field. Because yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, I don't know if you saw Toby Rowland's tweet yesterday, and they've got some bad losses, don't get me wrong. But top 50 wins from RPI teams, Oklahoma has them tied with, was it Texas Tech for the most at eight in this conference?
2: Well, I mean that's the thing they they've got bad losses but they've got equally good wins.
1: Exactly. And when you have the most of anyone in your conference, top 50 wins and the, if they win series, let's just say they, you know, they do what we say, right? So that means you got to beat Oklahoma State. There's two more top 50 wins. That would put you at 10. You know, West Virginia. West Virginia, if you're going to win series, yet again, we're predicting, not predicting, we're saying they got to win series. There's two more. That's 12 top 50 wins. There's no way they don't make the tournament at that point in time. Now, if they went 0-2 in the Big 12 after that point, maybe. But it it gets dicey. You're right. I mean, so Oklahoma's just got to win at this point. And you like hearing what Bryce had to say earlier. You know, this team's confidence level, the way they feel. And you can almost get that sense watching the games on TV last week.
2: Yeah, no doubt. No, hearing that from Bryce. If you're no U fan, yeah, that's what you want to hear because you can almost hear the the excitement in his voice just to, to get out and take BP today. I mean, if you're they're excited to take the field and have that feeling again, that, you know that they can go out and dominate and win and play their brand of baseball that's been lacking. That's great to hear. Now, again, they've got to do it. But hey, heading down the stretch in a spot where you need to, to stack series wins to make the tournament. You don't want to hear anything else. And I I think that sweep of Texas, didn't it come at a better time? I mean, you know, if you're an OU OU guy, a sweep of Texas doesn't come at the wrong time. But where it fell in the season and how they were scuffling and what's ahead of them, I just... I don't know. I think it could propel them, uh, but they still have to go out and do it. And starting this week with Kansas, that's a no doubter. You got to get this one won and go from there.
1: And that—that's a big key. And you know what? I'm going to go one step further, and then we'll talk about some of the other conference series this weekend. I just made the announcement. You know that it's going to be a one o'clock start now tomorrow. That was huge for Oklahoma. And what I mean by that, I was looking at the schedule and I was looking at the potential of weather. And I'm like, man. I really hope they don't have to play a doubleheader. Now, positive in a doubleheader, it's kind of the same reason I I had a great feeling they were going to win this series going into Saturday after they had won Friday. I mean, I was like, hey, playing a doubleheader, you're going to win one of those two. It's almost impossible to sweep a doubleheader. So that even goes more to say what OU did last week, sweeping the doubleheader. But I thought mm-hmm. I, I really didn't want to see them have to play a doubleheader against Kansas because this is the one team left on the schedule in the conference you feel like there is a chance to get a sweep, and so you didn't want to. No, no, no doubt. You didn't want to make that chance harder by playing two on one day. No so,
2: doubt. So no, that, that was that,
1: great it, news, I thought yesterday.
2: Yeah, or today, completely agree with you. It's, yeah, yeah. This is one team that's that's like, yeah, exactly right. One team left as you look at the schedule that you say, hmm, they could sweep Kansas. Uh, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Doesn't mean we're calling for it to happen. Just. It's the one team left that three wins in a row are probable against. And, uh, yeah, not playing a double-header. Anytime you play a double-header, that's a coin flip on who wins what. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which makes which makes last week just even more incredible.
1: No doubt about it. But the Big 12 this weekend, a lot of good series around the Big 12. I mean, you look at it, and I think there's some key series. We mentioned Oklahoma State. We won't, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that series because, I think when I looked at the forecast this morning, Todd Lisenby and Eddie Radosovich on the morning show we're talking about on the franchise, I think the chances of rain in Ann Arbor are 60, 90, and 60 on those three days. Yikes. So Yikes. I'm going with the odds they are not playing. So we're not going to spend a lot of time dissecting that series. you know. But look at the Big 12 series. You've got some really good ones. You've got Texas Tech at Kansas State. You've got T- Texas at TCU. And West Virginia at Baylor. Back to this conference being so balanced, the standings, Dave. West Virginia is leading at eight and four. Oklahoma State's behind them at eleven and seven. And this is all based on winning percentage, you know. And then you got K State behind them at nine and six. Texas and Texas Tech both at eight and seven. Oklahoma and TCU at seven and eight. I mean, it's a jumbled mess in the conference. And if you're, let's say, you're an Oklahoma fan or a TCU fan right now, yeah, you want to win your series, right? But then at that point, you're rooting for Baylor to at least get one, maybe two, pull two miracle wins out against West Virginia. And then, you know, Texas Tech and Kansas State, I kind of think it's a push because if you're TCU and Oklahoma, you're right on the hills. You definitely don't want to see either team sweep. But, you know, you'd probably – like to see Texas Tech, especially if you're Oklahoma because you got the series win in that, you'd probably like to see Texas Tech beat K-State 2-3. of three.
2: Uh, Yeah, you might be thinking of BCU. Texas Tech I think won the series in Norman, didn't they?
1: No, what I'm saying is it, yeah, what I'm saying is well, that's right, but they lost both series. you're right, my fault, my fault, you're right
2: no no, no so, yeah no I, I get what you're saying yeah. it's it's so jumbled it's kind of hard to tell who you should root for and who you should, who you should root against but it, it it's it's a fascinating weekend for me to to watch a few teams uh a because of what you mentioned that of uh, you know who who needs who to win, but also how how are teams going to respond i think David Pierce of Texas came out and apparently, you know, really got to his team's ass after, the, you know, the, the sweep from OU. And I'm really curious to see how the Longhorns respond against, the, you know, what can be a very good TCU ball club. Fully uh, agree. Kansas State. Yeah, Kansas State, what we've talked about, has been playing a little bit better under the radar with, with old Pete Hughes, your buddy. And uh, curious to see Texas Tech has been a team that has flirted with being the best in the conference we've, we've talked about in recent weeks that has now died off. Mm-hmm. Curious to see how they respond to that, playing a, a game Kansas State team. So, no, across the league, it's nuts. You never know what's going to happen. But, no, I'm, I'm very curious to see how, how some teams respond this weekend.
1: Yeah, it's going to be crazy because this race down the stretch, I, I don't even know how to break it down because, I mean, I don't feel like you can just look at any series and go, they're going to win this series. That team's going to win this series. As soon as you do that, it blows up in your face.
2: <laughs> yeah, it does, Randy. I, I don't know, man. We've sat here for, you know, I think four straight weeks, and we've had four different teams that we've said I think they are the best in the Big 12 right now that have come and gone. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I think the the race being as tight as it is and as jumbled as it is goes to what we're saying, that, that there's a lot of good teams, solid teams in the Big 12, but not one or two juggernauts that, that are just dominant. And uh, that makes it very exciting and, and very unpredictable. Now, I have no idea what's going to happen in these series. I, I do think Texas will bounce back and take that series from TCU. Uh, TCU coming off getting swept in Morgantown. I, I don't know where, where they are. All right. Up.
1: Le- let's do predictions. We'll go through just the conference series. Oklahoma, Kansas. Okay. Who wins the series? Oklahoma 2-1. I'm going Oklahoma 2-1 as well. Uh, Texas TCU. At TCU. Texas. I'm going TCU two one, uh, West. Oh, right. yeah. I don't have any faith. I I I've watched Texas. They have they have Lucas on Friday, and then Katie barred the door Saturday and Sunday.
2: Randy I mean, jumping off Texas, but well, you've you've never been on. This I've never been like, on so Texas.
1: Yeah, I I, oh. I just haven't liked what I've seen out of this team all year long, and it's kind of funny. No, you haven't. I know our man Calvin. You know he's gone back and forth on them. But I kind of agree with what some of his Texas fans have said. You know, when they lost this series, Texas did a good job of beating up on bad teams in that long winning streak. And now all of a sudden, they did get some key wins at home. I know against Texas Tech. But other than that, yep. they haven't had many great wins this year. I I really like what TCU, West Virginia. What do you What do you think they do this week? West Virginia's got that big series this weekend.
2: Uh, I think West Virginia wins it 2-1. to one. I think they're on a roll. I think they are. I'm going to go ahead and call it. Uh, you know, we've we brought up four different teams as being mm-hmm. the best four different times. I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. West Virginia is the best team in the Big 12. They win their series 2-1 to one this weekend.
1: I go 2-1 to one with a very, very, very real chance to get the sweep in Waco. Agreed. Yeah, so, and then the other one we had, Kansas State and Texas Tech.
2: Tricky, tricky series with that one. I've, I've liked Texas Tech all year, but Kansas State with, with your boy Pete Hughes, they won some series they're not supposed to, so I've, I'm still going to stay on the Tech bandwagon and say Tech wins it 2-1. to one.
1: And I will say they played really well at home, the Wildcats have, and I think I'm actually going to lean the other way because I like the fact they're playing at home. If this series was in Lubbock, I, I would go actually, I'd say this. If this series was played in Lubbock, Dave, I would say the Red Raiders
2: sweep it in Manhattan. Okay. That big, yeah, in
1: Manhattan. I think Kansas State wins us two-one.
2: That big playing in Manhattan. I'll tell you what, you've been right. I think I checked their record before the OU series, and they were undefeated at home a third of the way through the season. So they they've been really good in Manhattan. It's so.
1: ridiculous how well they've played there. But that we'll we'll see how it pans out. Hey, Dave, it's been another fun week here on the Bullpen Brothers.
2: You bet, Randy. Always a pleasure to join you, and we will talk to you soon.
1: Talk to you later, man. It's a, that's another episode of the Bullpen Brothers. Again, thanks to Russ Ortiz, Bryce Madron, and we'll be back again next week.